Hello, and welcome to PCB Chat, where we talk with experts across the printed circuit design, manufacturing, and electronic supply chain fields. I'm Mike Buto, president of the Printed Circuit Engineering Association. Mac Technologies is one of the largest family-owned EMS companies in North America, and probably the world. Headquartered in Westford, Massachusetts, it also has facilities in Melbourne, Florida, and Juarez, Mexico. It recently completed a move to a factory in Juarez that is more than double the previous plant's footprint. Today, we talk with President Will Kendall and Vice President of Operations Mexico, Oscar Gonzalez. So Oscar's background, I have visited the plant in, in Westford a couple times. Obviously, I haven't been down to Juarez, and I have not been to the one in Melbourne either. I understand that you've made a substantial capacity expansion to the uh, Juarez plant. Why don't you, if, if you can sort of briefly give me an overview of, of just what we're looking at today, the size of it, the number of SMT lines, uh, and, and just kind of what spurred the, the changes. Sure. So nice to meet you, Mike, uh, first of all. So, so yeah, so this, this move was uh, stemmed from our growth. So we used to be in an 82,000 square foot facility. And over the past few years, we've been growing uh, by leaps and bounds, and uh, we ran out of space. As we continue serving existing and new customers, I think we made the strategic decision to move into a 2X building. So 164,000 square foot facility. Uh, we're occupying 50% of it with the strategic vision to fill it up in the next few years, right? So the new building is a state-of-the-art built-to-suit uh, building. It's uh, located uh, north of the city, very close to the U.S.-Mexico border, about five minutes drive, which is very convenient. Obviously, the new building, uh, as it was built-to-suit, is the latest technology in, in construction materials, so tighter, most uh, energy conservation and so on. We had uh, seven SMT lines. We're installing an eighth one in this building. So now we will have eight, essentially by the end of this month. And um, the idea would be to double it, right? So go from eight to 16, uh, let's say in the next two years. In essence, that's kind of the, the summary of the move. Will? Yeah, I, I would add that a lot of the growth that we're seeing really is driven by existing customers, um, and we've been trying to support them, support their growth, and we needed to have additional capacity to be a good supplier and be able to grow with our customers. Um, in addition to the fact that we um, are getting a lot of interest from potential customers that uh, have seen our operation that are um, very interested in how Mac operates in Mexico. And we've seen a, a, a very large increase in demand that until we had the new building in place would have been challenging to um, accept new business. One thing I'll, I'll point out too on, on, the, biz, on the building, um, because we've We've learned a lot, or we've tried to learn a lot um, from uh, stories we hear from from um, 
other other companies that are relocating operations and relocating buildings. And I think one of the key criteria for this new building was that the location be convenient for our workforce. Uh, we didn't want to move the building and find out that uh, the, the workforce didn't move with it. And so we actually... Uh, selected a location that I think with our geo-mapping analysis was a significantly shorter commute. I think, Oscar, was it for like over 80% of our staff? Yes. So when we moved, so we've been in production in the new building for just over a month now. And I think at least the latest information that I had had from Oscar and the team was that turnover due to specifically due to the new building location being inconvenient for employees, was less than 2% of the workforce, which we're we're very happy about. What are turnover rates in Mexico compared to your U.S. sites? They're higher. The market is higher. It's very nuanced. The, the, The truth is that in Mexico, the way the labor laws historically had been, um, there used to be, an Oscar, correct me if I'm wrong, but there used to be like a trial period of 90 days before employees would be permanent. And so I think historically the turnover rates are really high, but it's almost all driven by new hires that were um, within that window. And now I believe the law is different. So there is no trial period, but that same phenomenon still is in effect where if there's high turnover, it's almost always within first three months of someone's tenure. Um, and the tenure and turnover for employees beyond those first three months is, is generally a lot lower. But on average, turnover in Juarez or Mexico in general is higher than turnover in the United States. So Another important factor on turnover uh, is the corporate culture. So you, you see variation of, of that turnover from industry to company to like Mac Technologies has been very, we've been working on this lean culture where everybody's voice is heard. And uh, I think that our culture uh, lends to have a better turnover than most. And uh, so people want to work for Mac. And we, like Will was saying, within this move, just it's another proof that, you know, we, we retained the majority of our employees and workforce, so we didn't have same workforce, same employees, same equipment, all in um, in the new site. That answers uh, one of the next questions I had. Really, was where was this relative to the old site? I wasn't sure whether you just added on to the old site or actually greenfilled it completely, completely new place. So it sounds like you really kind of packed up and moved. It's probably what, Oscar, 25 minutes closer to the U.S. border, kind of deeper into the city than we were generally more on the outskirts before. So we were close to the airport in the south part of the city. There are several industrial parks in that area. So we moved to an industrial park, Los Fuentes, which is very conveniently located five minutes from the uh, U.S. uh, El Paso, Juarez, Texas, El Paso, Texas and Juarez, Mexico border. Um, and from a logistics perspective, from um, import-export, as well as the ability to bring in customers, it's just really convenient. And we're in a very well-established industrial park in a brand new building. So, I'm taking a brief break to mention today's sponsor. This podcast is sponsored by PCB East, the original conference and exhibition for printed circuit design, 
Fabrication and Assembly on the East Coast, taking place April 11th to 13th in Marlboro, Massachusetts. PCB East trains engineers, designers, fabricators, and assemblers on making printed circuit boards for every product or use imaginable. From high-reliability military and aerospace to cutting-edge IoT and wearables, there's something for everyone involved in the electronic supply chain. Stay local. Come to PCB East. For more information, visit PCBEast.com. And so then how big is Juarez now compared to Melbourne and uh, Westford? Juarez is, what, 160... 164,000 square foot facility. 164. 900 employees. Yeah, Melbourne's 145,000 square feet and Westford is 108,000 square feet. So employee-wise and square footage-wise, it's our biggest, um, but you know, not by a huge margin, especially considering we're now working to, uh, to grow the actual production. It's been a few years now since I've been at Westford, but if I remember right, uh, your equipment set was pretty similar from site to site. Is, is, was, is my memory correct? And if so, is that still true? So, so that's still true. Our strategy has always been to have similar equipment platforms that we use. Uh, when you were here, I don't know when it was the last time, but the equipment set platforms have changed dramatically. Yeah, you were universal shop then. Yeah, we were universal shop then. Uh, for surface mount, we still are universal, except for everything now is fusion. And we've standardized on a handful of other, um, you know, other platforms as well. So we use Yamaha for 3D AOI, Omron for 3D X-ray, things like that. And so we've standardized not only on the equipment side, but also on the IT side. So we run one ERP system uh, across the company. We run one MES system across the company. So we've, we've tried to standardize on best uh, equipment sets and best uh, IT solutions so that we've got as much efficiency as we can for continuous improvement. Mm-hmm. The equipment sets in Juarez are all the same equipment set kind of packages as... Massachusetts, there are some small differences, but but not not many. So for specific customer reasons. So. And then you're doing besides SMT, you're doing uh, box build and uh, what else? Did I do I remember right? Are you doing uh, plastics molding as well down there? We do not do plastics molding in Mexico. So so all of the injection molding operations are our sister division, uh, Mac Molding. Uh, at Mac Tech, we really only do. Uh, the electronics assembly and, and box build and you know full product uh, fulfillment pieces of the business. Can you handle the RF stuff in Juarez? Oh yeah, yeah. What types of programs are best suited for Juarez? So right now, the best types of programs for for Juarez um, for, for for Mac Juarez are yeah. um, generally in kind of industrial or ruggedized end market products where the volumes are generally fairly, we, we would consider them to be medium volume, but volume is a relative term, yeah. but generally higher volume than, than uh, the U.S., but we're, we're generally not building millions of, of, of products. What usually works well in Mexico is where there is more labor content. If something is purely machine, automated through machinery, then it can generally be built anywhere cost-effectively. When products start to have additional uh, labor requirements, 
that's when Juarez becomes a very, um, very attractive option for the customer, which ultimately um, usually fits our, our model as well. And with all of the changes with tariffs in the, the Section 301 tariffs with China and you know, the logistics bottlenecks throughout the world, Mexico has actually become, in our view, one of the most attractive places in the world for building products that are destined for North America. We, you talked a little bit about staffing, um, you know, in terms of you know not losing people, but in you know, are the basics of finding qualified labor, you know, are those are those obstacles um, similar in Mexico as they are here in the U.S.? Now I'll let Oscar answer that. <laughs> Different dynamics, uh, for sure. Um, so Mexico, Juarez, we have ten colleges, ten universities where we draw highly skilled engineers from and, and planners and business management uh, personnel. So we have really, uh, uh, I think the, the structure of the city government and the universities really supply all that indirect labor, no, no issues. The Juarez city uh, as, a, as a whole uh, has seen some growth over the past few years and the growth also, there's a lot of um, uh, migration from central Mexico to Juarez. So there's so we've been very lucky to still have that uh, pool of uh, uh, direct labor resource. Um, we have not seen a, actually we've been, so as the, as the growth in number of companies, we have also have seen the growth in um, population. So we are um, at a point where we meet our hiring requirements quite easily. Uh, the challenge is being, you know, turnover, absenteeism, just in any, just like in anywhere else. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think the city uh, structure and, and universities and and population um, dynamics has allowed any manufacturing in quite uh, operation as long as you have the right culture and the right operation, uh, no problem in attracting uh, attracting. Uh, high caliber talent. Yeah, I, I would say just in general in the U.S., um, th there are obviously labor shortages all over the country in almost every industry uh, right now. And, and you know, manufacturing is certainly not immune to that. And from our perspective, it, it has been easier to attract greater numbers of um workforce uh, in Juarez. I don't want to speculate why that is, but um, on a relative basis, we're finding it easier to scale up uh, with a, a, a larger workforce in Juarez than we are seeing it to be in the United States right now. You know, going back to when I first started in the industry, which was, you know, 91, <laughs> you know, the, the word from, you know, from EMS companies in Mexico was often that large numbers of employees might pick up and leave for another factory down the road because they offered better meals in the cafeteria and things like that. Is there a lot of poaching that still goes on between uh, the EMS companies? Because there's quite a few of them, right, in, in that area, that general area. It happens. Uh, it happens, but I think the, the the best companies that are retaining talent, uh, 
it's no secret. I mean, we do uh, we we do taste contests on the cafeteria providers, so they have to be well established. They, you know, in Mexico we have a saying, uh, you know, barriga uh, llena, corazón contento, tummy full, happy heart. <laughs> if they if you provide great food and great service, that's a there's a statistics on this. There's been uh, studies on what are the three key elements of what people are looking for. Number one, competitive salary. Number two, tasty food in the cafeteria. Number three, uh, be, being treated with dignity and respect. So, uh, and, and uh, training, the amount of hours you provide your employees training and how you engage to them. So those are just statistically speaking, though, the four factors that drive retention higher. Um, and those companies that meet that, those are the ones that are win, that win and have lowest rates of, of highest rates of uh, retention and uh, and no matter we've seen this that uh, you know a company may try to poach folks but um, I think for the most part is you you, you have to be very competitive and and uh, we have seen people leave Mac and then come back to us so you know we're, we're doing a very decent job at that would you say you do most of your training? in-house or are there local or nearby training centers that you rely on? 90% I would say is uh, in-house training uh, from uh, health and safety to IPC to manufacturing to all kinds of training that we provide. Uh, we some every now and then we rely on outside training services. When you move the factory you know, walk me through the process. Uh, you know, do you do it um, piecemeal, line by line, or do you shut everything down on Friday and Monday it's all up and running in the new building? Oscar didn't have any of that gray hair until, you know, a few weeks ago. Yeah, it was all black. <laughs> uh, so I think it goes back to I've done a couple of moves in my previous career, uh, but I think 90% planning, 10% execution. I think we've been planning on this uh, move for about 12 months, and uh, the we really uh, had a very smooth transition. We moved in three weeks. Uh, we basically was 24/7. We partnered with the right transportation companies, with the right um, um, contractors to set up the new building. And we've been working on this for a number of months. So it was lots of planning and uh, making sure, you know, we could come up with plan A, plan B, plan C. And uh, so very successful move, three weeks, uh, all at seven SMT lines and all the box build, all the warehouses. I think I calculated 100 trips just in moving raw materials and equipment and about 25 trips of uh, heavy equipment all insured so yeah we had a great team the transition team did a great job and uh, uh very very stressful at times but uh yeah we were working 24 7. yeah i think oscar hit on a really important thing i mean the 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 entire thesis for the expansion in mexico really boils down to the team oscar and his team have done a fantastic job keeping customers happy uh, with very high quality and very predictable delivery. And through the team's efforts, they have grown the business uh, very substantially. And all of the indications we have from our customers 
are that they're very pleased with what the team has done. And it's the same team that we um, that was in charge of the building move. And again, the team executed very, very well in, in exactly the fashion that we would have expected the team to execute in. And the move to the new building really is a vote of confidence in the team because we believe that the team can can continue to grow the business very effectively with very high quality and very happy customers. I think in the beginning, Mike, you asked what stemmed, what caused the move. I think Will hits that very good point. Seven Supplier of the Year awards over the past four years. A great vote of confidence from our customers in high levels of quality, high levels of customer satisfaction. So customers are really happy. And, um, and they're giving us more and more business and we continue growing. And that's how we run out of space, uh, basically, uh, uh, the old facility. Will uh, is kind enough to, to allow us to continue growing and, and invest in, in that growth. So a lot of reasons, but I think just to point that the strong team we have here, uh, very lean, Six Sigma oriented, high levels of quality. And that's one of the other factors that contributed to, to the decision of moving and expanding. When you do a move like this, does it trigger any uh, mandatory recertifications or requalifications by customers, ISO, you know, any of those types of organizations? We did. We uh, partnered with each customer. Each customer is different. And based on each customer needs, we either provided, you know, first article inspections or certain level of quality recertifications or, or requalifications. That's from a uh, quality perspective. Um, from a building perspective, we obviously had to recertify the, the whole facility and uh, obtain all, all kinds of permits, right? Um, the Mexican Environmental Protection Agency, um, regulatory, uh, Federal Electricity Commission, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, we it, it was a full making sure that the building complies with all um, uh, permits. As far as our like ISO certifications, though, those those traveled with us, right? Those traveled with us. ISO 9000, 13485, those traveled with us. Uh, Industria Limpia, Clean Industry Certificate travels with us. Uh, we will have to recertify in due time, in a year time. But um, yeah, we retained all of our certs. Now, I want to talk a little bit just about, you know, how programs migrate through the MAC facilities. Does a given program tend to stay, you know, if it's sold at Westford, does it stay there? Or are things still kind of scaling to Juarez? I would say every customer is unique. And we've probably implemented every type of structure you can imagine. And we always work with the customer to come up with whatever the, the right structure is for their business and what, whatever their needs are. And I would say that we've likely done um, every strategy at this point. So, so we're, we're pretty good at pinpointing which ones we recommend to customers. But we work with customers to come up with what the right strategy is, whether that's you know, launching in the U.S. and then transitioning to Mexico or starting in one site and staying there or, you know, uh, diversifying the business across multiple sites for uh, 
risk mitigation purposes. I, we've really seen and done it all. And so it, it's a really unique um, situation for each specific customer and depending upon what their needs are and the, the complexity of their own supply chains. Does each plant have its own procurement group or is that centralized? Each plant has its own procurement team, um, which is responsible for procuring for the, the specific uh, operation that they report into. But we also have uh, a senior uh, supply chain members that oversee supply chain across the whole company. So then would you try to consolidate buys um, across programs or is everything kind of program specific? We look strategically to, to make sure that our buying practices are getting the best consolidation effort we can. Uh, but when we buy parts, buyers uh, buy specific to the customer, um, you know, to the customer documentation. Uh, and so our strategic supply chain team looks to essentially consolidate business with suppliers and, and ensure that we're getting, uh, you know, the best value we can for, for our business and for our customers. Um, and so it's, it's a little bit of a hybrid, I would say. Okay. And then would you, um, under, under given circumstances, do you move material from one factory to another, even if a program isn't moving simply to, um, to shore up a, a shortage? Absolutely. Assuming um, we will absolutely rebalance materials if it makes sense. Um, we would never do it in a way that would penalize the customer that planned well versus the customer that didn't plan well. Um, but we historically, we, we, we've because we use one um, ERP system, we've built a significant number of tools that allow us to rebalance materials very easily, whether that's to fill shortages or to work with customers to uh, limit material exposure. Um, we can, at the push of a button, identify where materials can go. Um, and also, you know, in the reverse way to say what materials can come in <laughs> to fill a shortage uh, if, if any of the parts are uh, elsewhere within the plant or even within the other, um, other Mac plants that we could ship in. It's the beauty of having one, one IT system. So. And I can't remember, do you offer design services uh, at any of your plants? We offer design for manufacturability and design for test. We, we, we don't offer we do just, um, yeah. you know, design from scratch services. So. What benefits or advantages would you say that having the new facility up and running, you know, gives Mac and its customer base that didn't previously exist? So well, we're, number one, we're going to have significantly more scalability to continue to grow with our customers. That's number one. Number two, it's more of a purpose-built facility. So we're envisioning um, significant benefits from being able to apply more lean manufacturing principles to the, the new operation um, that we can ho hopefully um, you know, gain efficiencies from. Uh, number three, it's uh, also um, in a much more central location. So we believe that it will, will actually help us not only retain, but attract new talent and, and make sure that we're staying competitive within, within the Juarez market. Finally, does this 
forecast any uh, any changes in Florida or uh, Massachusetts in terms of expansion there as well? No, we're we're also potentially looking at expanding in those sites with in terms of capacity with equipment. Um, we're seeing significant growth in customer demand essentially across all three of our facilities. The, the difference being our Florida location has uh, physical space that we can that we can still grow into, as does our Massachusetts site. Whereas in Mexico, you know, we, we just run out of physical space. Do you own the buildings in Florida and Massachusetts? We own every building within all of Mac, including Mac Molding, with the one exception being Mexico. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, yeah, Mexico's our only leased building, so. Yeah, when Oscar said industrial park, that said to me, ah, that's a lease. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, it, it's a lease. Um, that's the only building that Mac leases. We, we generally don't like leases, but in this particular case, the location is so perfect for our operation that this made sense for us. How are things right now getting product uh, yeah. you know, across the border in either direction? Across the U.S.-Mexico border, I'd say, are good, right? <laughs> Yeah, it, it's. Uh, I think it will back to normal. Uh, so, well, uh, normal standard. You know, you still have to get product across the international border, go through customs, and there's a obviously a a, a delay there. Uh, so that's come down. Uh, I think dur- during COVID, the last couple, like you know, eighteen months, twelve months, we did see a spike. Uh, but I think it's it's back to normal. Um, I think they both uh, customs, uh, U.S. and Mexico have added resources and product flows because uh, constantly, and uh, yeah, so really not not a big not an issue right now. It's one problem after another bringing product in from overseas right now. Whether it's the boat can't reach the port, or the container can't reach the boat, or if the container comes off the boat, then it can't reach the truck or the rail. I mean, it's, and, and honestly, it's one of the reasons why we really think that um, Mexico is just such an appealing option to companies that are looking to supply the North American market with their products. It's just, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a mess <laughs> for trying to bring parts in. And it's expensive now too. It, it, it's become very expensive to bring parts in from overseas. Yeah, from from a supply chain perspective, it does make sense. I think companies and this direction everybody's moving towards is common sense, right? If your if your customer base is in North America, uh, Mexico Juarez is perfect for location to ship to. If your customer base is in Asia, you know you have Vietnam, you have China, or if you're in Europe. You can stay in Slovakia, you know, in an Eastern Bloc uh, country. Uh, so I, I think Will's right. I think Mexico is really appealing to to the largest consumer base in the world, which is the United States, you know, North America. Um, and, and we, you know, it just, just makes a lot of sense to be here. I think you guys are sort of the uh, the epitome of consistency. <laughs> no, no, I mean, no it's, pretty, it's pretty consistent. We. We have our we have our strategy. We we don't try to be everything to everyone, and we're pretty upfront. We talk to um, potential customers about what we're good at and what we're not good at, and where we fit into the world of uh, 
electronics manufacturing. And we try to be the best at our niche and really excel and do the best we can for our customers in that, uh, you know, in that profile, in that target profile. So, so nothing's changed on the strategies. Well, Oscar, it's very nice to meet you and congratulations. Uh, you know, I hope this all goes very well for you. Will, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. For PCB Chat, this is Mike Buto. Have a nice day. Hmm.